allergies have been terrible, absolutely terrible. I don't, I couldn't yeah. have recorded anyway because I'm fighting through this right now with medication. But about mm-hmm. nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, every single night, it feels like my throat is closing up. Jesus, this happened last year for the very first time. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it has to do with exactly, but that is fucking wild. I have like a bunch of Benadryl on board and Claritin, and I'm drinking a beer, so. You're going to be in really good shape here. Welcome to the Wet Wired Podcast, Episode 11, Bitcoin Country. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. So this week, we're going to be talking about El Salvador and their adoption of Bitcoin as legal currency. We had planned on recording this episode probably a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't because in that time period, two more countries have legalized the use of Bitcoin to pay debts. The Central African Republic legalized Bitcoin as as currency, and Panama has adopted it as a currency as well, but isn't quite doing it the same as El Salvador and Central African Republic. It, they didn't make it legal tender, but they did authorize it to be a legal form of paying debts. I don't know what the difference is with that other than the terminology, <laughs> because that's pretty much the definition of what legal tender is. If you can pay your taxes in it, then it's legal tender. It's about as legal as it gets. I don't know if you can pay your taxes in Panama, but you can buy shit with it. We can remember that in September 2021, El Salvador became the first nation in the world to formally adopt Bitcoin as legal currency. I kind of said that already. (laughs) (laughs) I think needless to say that crypto bros and Bitcoin maximalists were very excited. And they're just as excited this time around with Central African Republic and Panama. They're memeing and tweeting. Bitcoin Magazine has been writing article after article and flooding social media. And basically all of them, it's it's just more and more evidence as far as they're concerned that the new age of Bitcoin prosperity is sure to come. And El Salvador and President Bukele are going to be leading the way. I think that's the thing about Bitcoin predictions, though, is that they're always about what Bitcoin is about to do. This thing that Bitcoin is, you know, is going to make possible for everybody. But nobody's ever really talking about what's already happened, what what great things Bitcoin has already brought to us. We basically just see one crazy news story after another. I mean, the most recent one was from a couple of months ago when a, a, a couple of Bitcoin guys, I actually, I think it was a Bitcoin guy and a Bitcoin gal, were trying to buy an island that, uh, from Fiji to turn into crypto land. And I think that lasted about a minute before Fiji decided to not sell it to them for $12 million. <laughs> the whole thing was focused around the, the Vladimir Casino, which was going to be in the center of the island. Then Jesus there, was, there, there were the, the Bitcoin Hills, then Bitcoin something else. And it was just it was a bunch of luxury style housing that was being promised and tracts of land and basically just no end to people talking to you about crypto. I think of that deadbeat that deadbeat character in like a late 90s film where they're 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 off to the horse races and they're promising everyone around them, "No, no, no, no. I got a real good thing. It's just around the corner. Just hang on." <laughs> Nothing's around the corner. I have they're, no they're, idea what they're, you're talking about. No, they, it's 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 an archetypal character. In, Is that a movie? Especially, no, 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 no. Just like in late 90s films and early aughts where it's just the deadbeat guy. He's got a 
not a five o'clock shadow, more of a ten o'clock shadow. And and he's promising everybody left and right, the bookies and 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 everyone in between. Oh no, no no! I got a real good thing coming. I got a new. I got a new. I got a new angle. I got a new. I got a new job. Was Cary Grant in this movie? <laughs> it's not a specific movie. It's just an archetypal character that it's. Come on, you you've got to have seen this character. <laughs> I mean, I kind of know what you're talking about, but not really. <laughs> I think of like the 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 dad in um uh now that I want to say it it's not coming to me but there's this TV show that's this is absolutely great podcasting everybody this is podcasting at its finest <laughs> when 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 somebody's trying to tell a story and they can't remember the 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 main part of it <laughs> hopefully we cut all of this cuz this is just dog shit and everybody knows from you know from past experience who's listened to us before that when he asks to cut it, it stays in because I do the other. Uh. <laughs> but my main point, you know, about this is that Bitcoin has not done anything for anybody except a make a very small group of already rich people even richer, and maybe a maybe a very very small group of people who weren't that rich already slightly wealthier. Like I, I can think of one person that I know that I that I know somebody who I personally know that actually did make a bunch of money with Bitcoin. He, at one point, way in the past, he bought Bitcoin when it was worth like nothing, and he sold it when he had you know something like over a million dollars in his in his Bitcoin wallet. Holy shit! That is some life changing stuff. I mean, even when you have, even when you're talking about five hundred thousand dollars, that that changes the story for almost everybody. Unless that's you already, a huge amount of money. Unless you already have five hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and that's most <laughs> yeah. of the people that have gotten wealthier with Bitcoin. Yeah, for sure. So all of this excitement about El Salvador and Panama and now Central African Republic, at least while everybody's looking for a new crypto land, these places could probably make do as a as the temporary promised land. But to understand how El Salvador ended up being the first Bitcoin country, we need a little more context, and for that we need to talk about the Christian evangelical surfer doing charity work in El Salvador. One-time financial planner Mike Peterson had been living in El Salvador for a few years, surfing and doing, quote, charity work, as he described it. In 2015, he started Mission Sake, which is sort of a meta-charity that runs programs to help Christian missionaries living abroad. Basically, they they have seminars and kind of meetups and you know for, for Christian missionaries, and they have trainings to... I guess help the missionary better. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're all high quality, all about the locals and and how to integrate with their culture. Of all the things that Mission Sake claims to be doing, these are the programs that they are most clear about. They're actually very descriptive. Which, when it, when I'm looking at a nonprofit website, and I just see a bunch of vague language and wishful thinking and inspirational photos those are immediate red flags that these people are completely full of shit but in the case of and there to take your money yeah exactly they're basically their whole job is to maintain having a job for themselves yeah in the case of mission sake it is a very fleshed out website there's a lot of description to the programs they don't talk about specific dollar amounts of donations that go to each thing or anything like that but that's not terribly uncommon for a smaller charity 
and it is a registered 501c3 in the US. You know, they just don't I just well, they maybe they publish it, but I did not see any published any published financials. And 501c3s are not super easy to set up. So Mission Sake is also connected to another charity called Hope House El Salvador. And unfortunately, Hope House El Salvador's website is exactly one of those vague charity websites that talks about the values and mission, but doesn't take any time to describe the specifics of their programs. You can kind of <laughs> guess based on the the photos and the section headings that they have some computer classes, they teach some English classes, and they also offer some help with transporting kids to and from public schools. And they also teach surfing. <laughs> yeah, there's there there's this ridiculously cheesy video as the splash background of like people surfing you have no idea where your money goes with it with a charity like that you have you just don't have any idea what they're going to do with it they're going to produce another video that you can guarantee that much so mike peterson's bitcoin story is that an anonymous donor contacted him through a third party intermediary in his church this anonymous donor wanted to donate $100,000 to the citizens of El Zante, which is a town in El Salvador. The catch is that the donation would be entirely in Bitcoin. As soon as this I sounds sketchy out of the box. As soon as I read this, I kept thinking about Brewster's millions. This whole thing, like, oh, there's an anonymous donor, but I'm going to give $100,000, but there's a catch. And this is like, this is just <laughs> a classic 1980s comedy setup. This is exactly the plot of an 80s movie, except for something like, you know, the citizens of El Zante get paid in Bitcoin, but first they need to clean up the beach. And then there would be some <laughs> sort of subplot about a local kid who wins a big surfing contest and gets to compete in the international event in Hawaii or something. My first thought was that 80s movie where there's the there's the the guys who are all skiing down the mountain. And and there's the the tough guy on the mountain, and they have to uh -huh. do a competition on the mountain. It's better off dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> and, and then like just like that one, like that's a that's a perfect example. Like with the big montage in, in Better Off Dead, where they're uh, him and the uh, John Cusack and the French girl are fixing the Camaro. I mean, it's, <laughs> it would be exactly the same thing, except this one's going to be Mike. We just Peterson. need stadium drums yeah. with a terrible reverb. Except this one's going to be Mike Peterson showing everybody how to set up a Bitcoin mining rig and download a wallet app onto their phones. <laughs> <laughs> According to Peterson, the name of that anonymous donor is still unknown, and he's also been coy about revealing the exact amount of the original donation. There, there, I've definitely came across more than one person speculating that Mike Peterson himself was the one that donated it, but it just didn't want it attached to him. Who knows? In an interview on the Breakdown podcast, which is just all crypto all the time, Peterson said that there have been a number of smaller Bitcoin donations over the years, and he described some of the challenges with convincing the El Salvadorans and El Zante to adopt Bitcoin. When I told them... Hey, we're going to start using this magic internet money and we're going to get stores to accept it. We're, we're going to get people to start taking their salaries in it. They just looked at me like, okay, Mike. So that was kind of the initial response. <laughs> <laughs> and having listened to this interview, I, you actually did him justice. That's, <laughs> that's basically the vibe. So I think that 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 his, that his quote, and I mean, you can listen to the rest of the interview on the Breakdown podcast. 
I don't know what episode number it was. But that quote brings up something really important about the timing of all of this effort in El Zante. This, the project that Mike Peterson started began a little after 2015, but it really took off during the pandemic. And I really think that could have accelerated the public accepting Bitcoin there. There was really almost no money coming in. And here's this American trying to give people a monthly supply of Bitcoin, about $30 a month, basically. Which is kind of a big deal. That's a big deal. So fast forward to the fall of 2021, and this little Bitcoin experiment in El Zante suddenly has a national importance in El Salvador, considering Panama and Central African Republic may be international importance. It, it's widely regarded that El Zante was the, the inspiration for the nationwide le legislation in El Salvador, accepting Bitcoin as legal currency. And there's already copycats uh, in areas where Bitcoin isn't in is not the legal currency, which was the condition in El Zante when Mike Peterson started all this. In Costa Rica's uh, Costa Ballena, which is uh, whale coast, is being called the Bitcoin jungle because there's a bunch of people that are basically doing the same thing there. They're convincing local businesses to accept Bitcoin as payment and simultaneously trying to convince members of the public through outreach campaigns to download Bitcoin wallets and start buying things and selling things with Bitcoin. We can really see them pushing so hard to convince people to adopt this. And by they, I mean Bitcoin maximalists. There is a really strong evangelical slant to all of this. They think that they have just landed on something so special that they just have to share it with the world and that everything will be better once people start using Bitcoin. I think that's a lot of the problem with the way that maximalists tend to be thinking about Bitcoin is that the details don't matter. Economic structures don't matter. Social you know, social structures, they don't matter. No, no other concerns in society have any importance to them whatsoever. It is only the currency. If people would just use this decentralized currency that is not controlled by some central bank somewhere, then... It would just be paradise, somehow, magically. Which, I'm no fan of, of central banks, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But the thing that you need with a currency, as we've mentioned in uh, one of our previous episodes where we were last discussing Bitcoin, the primary role that a currency needs is to be stable. Yeah. It is just not that. I don't know if you need centralization to be stable per se, but you need it to be fucking stable. Look how much everybody's freaking out in the U.S. about about inflation. Inflation is one of the biggest topics when people talk about the economy and the devaluation of the dollar and the, the, the increased expense of everything, mainly gas. What happens when Bitcoin drops and all of a sudden, you know, what used to cost, you know, one Satoshi now cost three Satoshis? <laughs> it's 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 inflation itself and the instability of currency that inspired much of what we consider to be austrian economics and a lot of the ideas that that we consider or associate with with austerity economic theories or economic theories that favor austerity typically i mean we can we can think of frederick hayek for example a lot of his ideas were heavily influenced by his observation of wild, out-of-control inflation. 
we have we have a whole school of economics that came out of this instability of simply the currency. So we talked about Bitcoin Beach and El Zante, and now we're going to move on to Bitcoin City. In November 2021, just a month after making Bitcoin legal tender, President Bukele announced plans for a new Bitcoin City. It is something like 7,000 hectares or something like that. It is giant. Jesus. He cited Alexander the Great as his inspiration. And if that doesn't just <laughs> like, sound all of the alarms. <laughs> Bukele also called his plans for Bitcoin City, quote, the evolution of mankind. Wow. All of this is supposed to be paid for by selling government-issued volcano bonds. Why volcano? Because the entire city is going to be powered by a geothermal plant at the base of the volcano. <laughs> Are we back to an 80s movie again? Yeah, right? Because I feel like we're back into an 80s movie again. Except it's like a James Bond villain. <laughs> so Also... Oh, go ahead. There, there is a, a line here where there's a bit of a typo where it says there will only be value added sax. And I'm positive that there will be value added saxophone hey, to this shit. No meta commentary. <laughs> all right, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a real moody saxophone, dim lighting. It, it's, it's absolutely going to happen in this film. It really did say value-added sex <laughs> in, in our script. <laughs> so Bukele's plan is that there will only be a value-added sales tax. No income tax, no capital gains, and no property tax. The general plan is to build the city at the base of the uh, Conch Conchagua volcano. Bukele wants to use geothermal energy to power the city, as well as a massive Bitcoin mining operation. There obviously have been... a a lot of criticisms of his plan, mainly because he has not published any details whatsoever or provided any details to anybody about what this geothermal power plant is going to look like or how big it's going to be or how much power it's going to draw. No construction has started, nothing. But there actually is a pilot plant already in operation doing Bitcoin mining using geothermal power at the Tacapa volcano, which is in another part of El Salvador. This is so fucking absurd to me to dedicate energy resources specifically to creating this currency. Well, and, and oh, here's a really good part. All of this is happening while Bukele is negotiating with the IMF for another loan to fund government operations. This time he's asking for $1.3 billion. Unbelievable. This is the first time that, or, you know, this, this is... Already probably the second or third time this has been mentioned in this in this podcast episode. But what happens when the price of Bitcoin drops again? I think that President Bukele, he's aware of the the technical problems and the concerns. But I think just like a lot of other Bitcoin maximalists, he has to have El Salvador succeed as a crypto state. He has bet so much on this so far, and he's leaned into it so hard that it has to work. It needs to be this crypto promise land. Otherwise, well, otherwise, then the dream can't survive. The Bitcoin dream to bring in this utopia can't, can't survive because there's, there's nothing to sustain it anymore. In poker, uh, assuming Texas draw, before the flop, that's before the first three cards are laid out, you bet a certain amount of money. 
based on the two cards that you have in your hand. Maybe you're trying to bet against all these other people and bluff them or do whatever you're trying to do. Maybe you've got a good pair in your hand, like a, like a couple of aces, some bullets or something like that. And the flop comes down and it's dog shit. Now you're just holding a pair at best, at best. And whatever came down is just not good. But you already bet so much pre-flop that you feel like you're committed to the pot. And you have to keep betting, otherwise it's sunk. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the turn, you bet even heavier and bet even heavier, even though in the turn, it's even worse. And then the river comes down, the last card comes down, and there's no way you have anything better than a pair. And somebody else probably has a flush or something like that. And you keep betting into it. That's pot committed. Mm-hmm. And that's the sunk cost fallacy. You feel like you've invested so much into something that... The only way that you can go forward is to sink more money into it. And the reality is you just got to cut your fucking losses. I mean, some, something that you and I were talking about uh, talking about before when we were discussing this episode is that this is exactly the same scenario that was playing out in the early days of the USSR. Except in that situation, people knew that it wasn't really socialist, but it didn't matter. It didn't yeah. matter. They need they they couldn't they, they they couldn't see that that problem. They needed it to be real. And just like what Bukele is going through in El Salvador, whether this is going to work out or not, I don't know if he's going to be able to see those problems. I don't know if these if these rich Americans that have been flooding into El Salvador and hanging out at El Zante and you know surfing on the beach, if they're going to be able to see it either, because they have to. It has to be real for them, so they can't see the issues. Bringing it back to Russia, after after the October coup or the October Revolution in 1917, we we found that uh, we had all sorts of folks who across the socialist world, and by socialist world, I include also anarchists, communists, Marxists from the left to more authoritarian Marxists, all sorts of different factions within the overall international socialist world, who as soon as the czarist regime was overthrown and then the temporary government or the the intermediary government was overthrown they put everything behind the bolsheviks even though they were pretty well a minority despite what their name translates to be and they were the bastion of hope for the whole of the socialist movement as soon as it became recognized as the first socialist success that was the idea. It was the first socialist country. And they they believed, and by they I mean the socialists at the time across the world, that even if it was imperfect, it needed to be seen as legitimate. And that carried forward long enough and hard enough that that became the propaganda both for the USSR and later for the West for different reasons. This is exactly the same situation with Bitcoin. They need it to be legitimate. And if it's even if it's not, even if there's significant problems, they will spend more time making it appear legitimate than solving the problems or acknowledging or acknowledging that that crypto is not a good foundation for an economy. Yeah. So needless to say, it is not all awesome. (laughs) This whole time that President Bukele is been trying to recast El Salvador as a sort of a Bitcoin paradise. His efforts have been consistently overshadowed by extreme crime and gang violence. 
This takes us to the recent crackdown in April 2022, when over 17,000 suspected gang members were arrested in El Salvador. This is from an April 8th article in Jacobin by Hillary Goodfriend. That's a nice name, isn't it? It is. It's such a nice name. For the second time in three years, El Salvador is back under martial law. The state of exception was approved so swiftly that lawmakers failed to remove references to public health and economic reopening in the text, clearly copied and pasted from the decrees that govern the country's notoriously militarized 2020 pandemic lockdown. They just copied and pasted, which is relevant to something that we're going to discuss a little bit later, because the uh, counterterrorism bill that was written by Biden was later the basis, largely the basis for the Patriot Act that would come later here in the United States. This latest suspension of constitutional guarantees, however, was enacted as part of right-wing populist president Nayib Bukele's newly declared war on gangs. Still reeling from the pandemic, working-class Salvadorians now find themselves caught between predatory street gangs and an unaccountable authoritarian state. So the gang situation in El Salvador is absolutely horrendous. It is almost totally out of control. I'm not surprised that they would have some sort of a crackdown like this, regardless of what what Bukele is trying to do on the international stage with Bitcoin. This all still makes perfect sense to do this sort of thing. And I also don't want to paint him as like a Duterte kind of figure where he's throwing drug addicts out of helicopters or something like that. That's not what's going on in El Salvador. I, I don't know. I haven't been there. But from what everything that I've seen, it certainly doesn't seem to be that sort of scenario. Yeah. The reason I brought up Biden and the Counterterrorism Act, I, I forget the full name of it, but it was in the 90s that he wrote and passed it that became the Patriot Act, is that the Patriot Act was largely the inspiration for some of the counterterrorism legislation in El Salvador that they're using for this martial law. It has to do with stripping civil liberties and and rounding people up and that sort of a thing. But that was hugely influential in legislation that they have in El Salvador right now. Not only that, but the United States has largely influenced how they do their operations in El Salvador as far as the police go. They've done tons of training from the IRS doing trainings to uh, other other agencies, specifically FBI and and other ones that that and F, specifically FBI and other ones that trained officials trained important people for uh, uh, for policing in in El Salvador, and notably El Salvador is number two in incarceration rate. Guess who's number one? The United States. Don't make me guess. Come on, <laughs> you do better than that. Like I don't know these things. Well, it's a rhetorical question, but. But they're number two after us in terms of incarceration rate. And that's none, none of this is a, necessarily as a surprise because of what, what you were talking about has been going on since at least the, at least the Clinton administration. Exactly. And of course, it connects in that way with Clinton and Biden, who wrote the crime bill and Biden, who wrote a number of other things that are so influential in this tough on crime attitude. In fact, I think they call it the iron fist approach earlier uh, 
quite a handful of years ago, their, their approach in El Salvador. And then later they called it the super iron fist when they wanted to reintroduce it a few years later. In a single weekend, El Salvador experienced its highest homicide toll since its 12-year U.S.-backed civil war. 74 dead in 48 hours, with 62 murders on Saturday, March 26th alone. The act of mass terror appears to have been ordered by the leadership of the nation's most powerful criminal gang, MS-13. Victims were largely chosen at random. Delivery workers, commuters, street vendors, and shop patrons were gunned down in broad daylight, their bodies displayed in public view across 12 of the country's 14 departments. Bukele responded in kind. Security forces laid siege to working-class neighborhoods, conducting indiscriminate arrests that saw over 6,000 people disappeared into the country's miserably overcrowded jails in less than a week. The president has inundated social media with images of police brutality and collective punishment, even branding the campaign with the hashtag Guerra Contra Pandillas, War Against Gangs. The crackdown, however, is no innovation. Instead, it's a return to the same U.S.-backed security strategies that spawned the current crisis. Yeah, one of the things that uh, Bukele has been doing has been if, uh, if people aren't cooperating, then he is threatened to uh, reduce rations in the prison. So he's actually going to starve them. He's, he's not that much better than Duterte. No. So last Sunday, El Salvador's Congress voted in favor of a request by Bukele to extend the ongoing anti-gang emergency decree for another 30 days. Meanwhile, Bukele is very active on Twitter, and he occasionally tweets in English. Mostly he tweets in Spanish. Interestingly, most of his English tweets recently have been, you know, third consecutive day with no murders. Fourth consecutive day with no murders. Fifth consecutive day with no murders. <laughs> it's like a sign at the shop floor, days without injuries. Right. Basically, it's safe to come here and use Bitcoin. <laughs> this is from an Associated Press article on April 25th. The measure was approved with 67 votes in the 84-seat Congress where Bukele's party holds a majority. Bukele has used emergency powers to round up about 16,000 su- suspected grant about 16,000 suspected gang members following a spate of killings in March. Rights groups have criticized the measures saying arrests are often arbitrary based on a person's appearance or where they live. The original 30-day state of emergency approved in late March restricts the right to gather, to be informed of rights and have access to a lawyer. It extends to 15 days the time that someone can be held without charges. It came after a spate of homicides in late March, when gangs were blamed for 62 killings in a single weekend. A level of violence the country of 6.5 million has not seen in years. Bukele has also established a raft of other measures. Among other things, they lengthened sentences, reduced the age of criminal responsibility to 12. To 12. Basically, what they're saying is that you can be tried as an adult when you're 12 years old. My God. This is just more of the backwards thinking that we're getting from these Bitcoin maximalists. They're, they're so intense as they evangelize for Bitcoin and looking to blockchain technology and trying to figure out how they can use it. But what they don't see, what they're not asking themselves is, is this the best tool? Is this the thing that's going to fix these problems? And they don't ask themselves if this is actually even a good tool to be using. 
I think if they actually wanted to help El Salvador solve its problems, they might be looking more toward what the causes of these problems are and not just trying to change the currency. And I know, I know the pushback from this is that fiat currency and people that are unbanked or don't have access to e-commerce, that this is the problem. But that's not what's causing all of this. That that is not going to reverse this legacy of really of intense U.S. interventionism in El Salvador and basically training them to be a mini version of our of our penal state. Yeah. Bitcoin is not going to repair this. It doesn't really have anything to do with the problems that are being faced in El Salvador. No. And that's exactly the culty vibe that I get. They're not looking at the society. They're only looking at how many people are adopting the, the Chivo wallet. You know, that's, yeah. that's the only thing that they're paying attention to. And by forcing Bitcoin onto the whole country without any idea of the consequence, you know, again, as if everybody's problem is that they aren't doing enough online banking. <laughs> now, if everybody had Bitcoin, crime would go away. Yeah. And we wouldn't have these gangs. Oh, exactly. And Suddenly, yeah. it wouldn't be an authoritarian police state. Even the tattoos would disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Just miraculously, as somebody, as soon as somebody downloads the Chivo wallet, their MS-13 tattoo goes away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get back to that AP article. El Salvador's Congress has authorized prison sentences of 10 to 15 years for news media that reproduce or disseminate messages from the gangs, alarming press freedom groups. What would anybody in the media be doing that would somehow make them guilty of this crime of reproducing or disseminating messages from the gangs? Do they have to sound sympathetic? Or does it have to be a direct quote? I mean, would it be like, I know, mean, would it be broadcasting an interview with a with a suspected gang member? What do you have to do? Could it could it be simply talking about it? I mean, I, what even counts for a message from the gang? Gang members held at Salvadorian prisons have been put on reduced food rations, denied mattresses, and frog marched around. Rights groups have expressed concerns that innocent people are being caught up in sweeps targeting the notorious violent street gangs. Gangs control swaths of territory through brutal through swaths of territory right, through brutality do whole, and do the whole thing again. Gangs control swaths of territory through brutality and fear. They have driven thousands to emigrate to save their own lives or lives of their children who are forcibly recruited. The gang's power is strongest in El Salvador's poorest neighborhoods where the state has long been absent. They're a drain on the economy, extorting money from even the lowest earners and forcing businesses that can't or won't pay to close. You might think that Bukele's crackdown is only a cleanup operation to get the country ready for more tourism. <laughs> and that's definitely part of the motivation. But he's actually been at this for a while now. This is from an opinion piece in the Washington Post by Jose Miguel Vivanco and Juan Papier. I'll read this one. Both of these guys are, have uh, high-ranking positions at Human Rights Watch, too. President Nayib Bukele of El Salvador is seeking to concentrate all political power in his own hands. Washington should act swiftly to condemn this power grab. May 1st was the first day his party held a two-thirds majority in the National Assembly after winning elections in February, and he lost no time in misusing it. Bukele's allies in the National Assembly summarily removed and replaced all the judges on the Constitutional Chamber of El Salvador's Supreme Court, as well as the Attorney General. 
Over the past year, Bukele has publicly defied rulings by the Constitutional Chamber, lashing out at its judges. Removing them was a frontal attack on judicial independence, as international standards make clear that no judge should be removed simply because the government does not like its rulings. Minutes after the legislators voted to unseat the judges, the Constitutional Chamber ruled that their decision violated judicial independence and ran counter to El Salvador's constitution. That night, Bukele's lawmakers rushed through appointments of new magistrates and a new attorney general. A convoy of police officers, including National Police Director Mauricio Ariasa, escorted the new officials to their jobs. Ariasa, who is under investigation for obstructing a corruption probe against high-level government officials, was greeted with applause when he showed up in the National Assembly chamber later that night. I'm going to jump ahead a little in the article. Now Bukele's lawmakers are threatening to remove the human rights ombudsman, too. And the new attorney general has said he would revise his cooperation agreements with the International Commission Against Impunity in El Salvador, a body backed by the Organization of American States, to fight corruption in the country. But in spite of all this, the murders, the authoritarian <laughs> crackdown, Bitcoin Magazine is still on board. This was a tweet from just April 16th, 2022. Jules, do you think you can describe what we're looking at here? This is <laughs> this is an image of a beach with the waves crashing, almost with a sentimental it, it's a, it's feel idyllic, to it. Isn't it? It's it is a gorgeous <laughs> beach. It looks it looks like there's supposed to be some kind of inspirational quote to it. I think that maybe there should be some anti-depression medication being advertised right now. Well, what do we get instead? Instead of anti-depression medication, we get the Bitcoin symbol in a 3D mock-up complete with shadow that has been photoshopped into this. I'm not sure that this isn't something that's just cut out of foam. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it is pretty, no, actually, no, it's a 3D. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like some kind of bad vaporwave 3D rendering. Seriously. That is photoshopped into this crashing waves where <laughs> but I guarantee it's like a bad some, fucking Yanni I guarantee video. somebody somewhere has a giant Bitcoin logo made out of foam. <laughs> <laughs> somebody has that. <laughs> if anybody listening has that, you need to tweet that picture to me. Please. Wait, what, what does the caption say for this, this wonderful tweet? El Salvador is hashtag Bitcoin, Bitcoin symbol, country, and then the flag of El Salvador. On Twitter, MM Crypto, an account for a crypto influencer based out of the UAE with nearly 900,000 followers, claimed on April 15th that adopting Bitcoin had increased tourism in El Salvador by 30%. I don't know if that's true. I, I couldn't find an exact number for tourism in 2022. I mean, how do you even how do you even judge that it's gone? Not even a full year has passed since the law. Thirty percent is huge. I mean, and since the law went into effect in September of 2021, I think on the 21st, you'd need a year to to collect a number like that. But even if that is the case, El Salvador is a country where remittances accounts for a profit approximately 20% of his total GDP in 2019. <laughs> Remittances. That is money that El Salvadorans living mostly in the U.S. are sending home to their families in El Salvador. That is 20% of the GDP in 2019. Tourism could go up 100%. 
and it would still probably be less than the remittances. I think in 2019, tourism was something like 18%. So it couldn't quite go up 100 and still be less than the remittance money. Again, in spite of all the violence and martial law, a contributor to NASDAQ.com on April 7th was still musing that El Salvador might be the next big opportunity for investors. (laughs) (laughs) One opportunity that investors could consider is real estate in El Salvador. (laughs) (laughs) Tourism has substantially picked up in the country since its adoption of Bitcoin. Ambassador of El Salvador in Washington, D.C., Milena Mayorga, told me at the Crypto World Conference in Miami. Seriously, did you almost say Miami? I Well, I, I'm going back and forth between oh between sp- Spanish and English. I heard so much. That's not even a Spanish <laughs> word. That's a Native American word. I'm going back and forth between two different ways to pronounce things, oh, Sean. All right. Miami. <laughs> It, it was a it was a it was a temporary slip. Jules it is wasn't gonna, even. I'm going to start playing <laughs> reggaeton pretty soon if you keep seeing Miami. <laughs> the system is down. Dame más gasolina. There is a case that. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, got it. <laughs> oh, I did it. I got him. You should see his face right now. He is so busted. <laughs> oh, I got him. <laughs> the system is to, okay. <clears throat> technically not reggaeton. Absolutely not even technically. Just completely not. <laughs> There is a case that can be made that El Salvador is following a similar path as Miami, which has become a crypto-friendly city. However, real estate prices in Miami have almost doubled in most areas since COVID for two reasons. Inflation, which has pushed prices higher, and Miami attracting tech and crypto-friendly companies. Having a house or apartment in Miami could easily set you back a few million dollars in a decent location. And on top of that, Socializing in Miami isn't cheap. In El Salvador, real estate prices are still extremely low by comparison. Extremely low. Like, like as in like like 10% of the prices. <laughs> if that. If that, right? I mean, the rest of this article, I didn't include any more quotes from this article because it is just fucking terrible. Like, like the guy, I, it's such a hackish thing. He's obviously just making this shit up as he goes along. I, I don't know. <laughs> This is the kind of article that somebody writes in the bathtub. (laughs) I recently sat in on a Twitter space that was hosted by Global Bitcoin Fest, and it was educational. I I have to tell you, I was secretly hoping that President Bukele would drop in on this one, too, like he did did a couple of months ago, but he did not. But there's still some pretty big names in Bitcoin there. More than a few of them are also regular passengers on President Bukele's private helicopter and plane. These are the sort of people that tour the country with El Salvadoran military escorts. That's that's who these people are. Oh, my gosh. This is another thing that I've noticed. All right. So anybody who is on Twitter or Parler or Gab or, you know, goes and like creeps around any of those places will notice that all of the 
the really hardcore Q people way back, like, I don't know when it exactly started, maybe 20, maybe early 2020. That's now way back, by the way, because that was like a million years ago. It was, I think, 10 years ago, right? I, at least. So I've, I've, I've aged 10 years since 2020. That's for sure. All like at some point, these prominent QAnon people started replacing their profile pics with pics of them with these glowing red eyes. <laughs> then it sort of traveled and, you know, because they're, I don't know, because they're awake or, you know, they're, they, they're seeing through the illusion now and that's what the picture is representing. Listen, only sheeple don't have red eyes. Well, exactly. Who, who doesn't know that? Yeah. You know, uh, a tiger doesn't ask the opinions of sheep. (laughs) (laughs) So at some point, the MAGA crowd started doing this, too. And so you started getting these sort of like maybe sort of Q adjacent people, maybe especially politicians that were trying to court some QAnon, some of the QAnon crowd. They would replace their profile pic with with glowing eyes. Uh, what's her name in Arizona? Did that? I don't remember her name. She's a state rep in Arizona. For some reason, it's I don't know when this happened with Bitcoin because I haven't been following the maximalists for very long. But almost all of the speaking guests in this Twitter Twitter space had glowing eyes. Some of them red, some of them blue, and some of them orange because that's also a thing now too. So you're red pilled if you're buying into the Q shit or, and then the, again, MAGA sort of stole that from them too, but you're orange peeled if you're a maximalist. My God. Some of the people that were in this Twitter space that are worth mentioning, I guess, are Max Kaiser and Stacy Herbert. These two run a Bitcoin themed podcast and production company called Orange Pilled Productions. <laughs> and they're also currently working on a television series called On the Private Jet. Max Kaiser has a has a thing, you know. He's got like a uh, he's got his he's got his clothing thing, his identifying feature of his of his of his wardrobe. This guy always wears something orange because Bitcoin. I, I've seen him with these bright orange framed glasses, uh, orange sneakers, an orange shirt. He doesn't wear all this stuff all the same time. He doesn't look like a creamsicle, but he always has something <laughs> orange on. As part of this private jet series, Max and Stacy had a multi-day interview with a billionaire from Mexico named Ricardo Salinas. Let's talk about this uh, fiat fraud for a second. So we're heading to El Salvador right now. And this is a trip uh, that we are very happy to put together. Stacy was kind of uh, very excited about putting the the pieces together. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we've known actually uh, Don Hugo, we've known for many years. Um, uh, and we've traveled with him and talked to him about gold and about the fiat fraud. And, yeah. And, and but with El Salvador, there's another element to this because, of course, as a Central American country, they've had to endure decades of colonialization, let's call it what it is, yeah. from the United States. Absolutely. And the president... That's a huge military base right there. And the president, Bukele, is seeing, to me, and I want to hear what you think about this, but for me, it seems as though he sees Bitcoin as a way out of the fiat money fraud on the sovereign level. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think sovereignty, sovereignty uh, being sovereign 
<laughs> has many different aspects. And financial, the financial aspect is one aspect. But there's also the commercial aspect, the import and export. And I certainly think it's a very good step that uh, President Bukele has taken. But, I mean, to stop being a colony, it takes more than just issuing your own currency or having a solid currency. It helps, but it takes more. Right. Um, look, listen, we're Mexicans. Yes. And we're neighbors to the U.S. Yes. And we've been uh, either partners or victims of the U.S. for a long time. So it's, it's, very, it's a very complicated thing because there's flows of trade, there's flows of people, there's flows of investment, and uh, it's not easy to just be sovereign and meaning cutting ties. It's not good for anybody to cut ties. Max Kaiser was definitely fishing for a position, like somebody, him to reinforce his position that of this some sort of like nationalistic independence of El Salvador and that Bitcoin makes this possible. Even the billionaire like that they brought on to talk about all this stuff is just like, no, that's not how it fucking works. Like all these, all these economies are interconnected. Yeah. Sometimes you're a partner. Sometimes you're a victim of the U S but you can't really be sovereign and disconnected from everybody else. He set up that questioning like a fucking Mad Libs. <laughs> and, and the guy still wouldn't fucking deliver. He He's still, like, he still nah, wouldn't nah, deliver. Nah, nah, nah. He fed him everything but <laughs> he fed him everything but the blank word. And Ricardo Salinas still didn't bite. Well, having been in El Salvador myself now for months, I noticed that the people are have a smile on their face because they have money that's theirs. Yeah. It cannot be confiscated. Yeah. And it has it's deflationary in the yeah. sense that it it will move. It's up the original the savings. Yeah. Original savings. Yeah, yeah. And that of course is being talked about to their friends all over Central America and all over Mexico. So the people have a chance to stage a very uh, so. peaceful yes, yes, yes. revolution. Yeah, because look at this. Look, we have there the beautiful mountains of Mexico, the volcanoes, and then we have the great city of Puebla over there. And then we have close to 20 million people in this valley right here, which is the Valley of Mexico. Is this good for them? Is Bitcoin good for them? Absolutely, yes. But it's not good for the people in power. And well, they're not... They're not giving away their power lightly. <laughs> so I am optimistic. Keep in mind that this guy's a billionaire and he's talking about the people in power not giving up their power lightly. He's speaking as if he's the fucking underdog sticking up for the little guy. You're you're the man, man. This is the kind of interview that these guys are conducting, you know, on their private jet where they're talking about the people and what's good for the people of El Salvador. And Ricardo Salinas talking about what's good for the people in Puebla, Mexico. This is the same Ricardo Salinas who in 2005 was accused of fraud by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. This is from a 2005 BBC article. The SEC suit alleges that in 2003, investment company Corisco bought a $325 million debt for $107 million from Canada's Nortel Networks. Okay, so they bought... 
So they bought a $325 million debt for $107 million. So that means they pay 107, but they're going to, but somebody's going to owe them 325 million. Azteca's mobile phone subsidiary, Unifone, has owed the money to Nortel Networks. Codisco, which is 50% owned by Mr. Salinas Pilego, made a profit of 208, $218 million when Unifone paid the debt in full. According to the SEC, Mr. Salinas Pliego, Azteca's chief executive, Pedro Padilla Langoria, and the chief financial strategist, Luis Echarte Fernandez, were engaged in an elaborate scheme to conceal Salinas' role in a series of transactions through which he personally profited by $109 million. <laughs> so this is the guy that is... That just feels so strongly for the people of Puebla and the Valley of Mexico. And he, and he's very concerned about what's good for the people of El Salvador. And he's, and he's also very cynical about the, the powerful people in the, ver- in the world giving up their power. Made $109 million by committing fraud and not letting anybody know that he was a part of, <laughs> that he was a part owner of this company, a 50% owner. Wow. So the first part sounded like a a somewhat common practice with uh, what Marx would call fictional capital, especially what what brought down what helped to bring down our economy into a recession in 2005 with uh, with the real estate market. But then when we get to the part where he's he's a part owner in it, that's where it ter- gets turned on its head. Yeah, it's exactly because he was, you know, he was essentially collaborating with this guy, Pedro, uh, Pedro Padilla Longoria, and who was the CEO of Azteca. You know, so the company Codisco, which is 50 percent owned by Pliego, uh, bought debt from Canada's Nortel Networks and then made a profit when this other company, a subsidiary of Azteca, Unifone, paid that debt. They're just shuffling money around, <laughs> and somehow 109 million of it ended up in Mr. Salinas's pocket directly. Wow. Max Kaiser has also put together, a, I guess, a sort of a coffee table manifesto. That's what I want to call this. Um, <laughs> because I uh, uh, love Jules so much, I'm going to make him read it. I will read it, but I also want to point out that the cover is incredible. It is this guy with laser eyes beaming out and some kind of an explosion in the background. <laughs> no, he's going full Super Saiyan right there. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's Super Saiyan. <laughs> except, except there's not a third of the episode dedicated to heavy breathing. Right, yeah. <laughs> and push-ups. Um, <laughs> His book is called The Book of Max, Relentless Optimism in the Age of Bitcoin. I want to cruise down to the tiger page. And I want you, I want you to describe it. <laughs> do you want All me right. to describe so it first? And yes, then read please it? do. I, I feel uh, like yes, I, I need to describe this You need this to describe first. the photo first. <laughs> so, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tiger fangs flared, mouth open with... Red glowing eyes, because of course they're red glowing they're eyes. They're orange glowing eyes, because the tiger is also orange-pilled. 
They're 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 kind of like a tangerine, I would say. I told you, they're tigers do not listen to the opinions of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it lions? <laughs> All right, now no, read, read the read the accompanying text that goes with with it. There's an arrow. There's an arrow pointing down with smaller text that says, "If you fear," and then big quotation, "Toxic Bitcoin maximalists." And then smaller text under that in a paragraph, it's because you really don't believe in Bitcoin. If you did, you'd realize these words are immaterial to Bitcoin's unstoppable vector, and you wouldn't give it a second thought. Then down below that, it's in bold, you must first, all caps, BELIEVE! Explanation point. <laughs> it's like some sort of like vaguely Christian, have faith in the Bitcoin. I see this parallel over and over again. This is fanaticism. This is this is the same kind of zealotry that you would get from an evangelical. All right, let's go down to the next one, the black page. Do you want me to read all of it? Yep. I, oh, I gotta you have that. to read all of it. We, <laughs> Max Kaiser's manifesto needs to reach the world, Jules. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like the serial killer, uh, the serial killer insists that the whole, the, their whole thing gets read to the press or else they're going to keep killing people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, hold on. Oh, I'll, I'll read the black page. You read the orange page. No, I, I, well, in both cases, I got to zoom in. Hold on a second. Well, you don't need to hold on for me to read it. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. This is the black page. For half a percent of all the electricity consumed in the world, Bitcoin can secure monetary sovereignty for billions of people while monetizing peace. The revolution is now, in all caps, and it's called Bitcoin. It deprives the war and bank machine of their profits while enriching the poor. Bitcoin, by design, takes you through five steps of consciousness raising. The path leads you from lowly gambling to spiritual enlightenment but 99% of the discussion still is on gambling. There is a reason there are so many people in El Salvador without bank accounts. I'll read it again. The reason there are so many people in El Salvador without bank accounts is not because they don't want bank accounts. It's because the fee of starting a bank account is prohibitively expensive. Because the banks don't care about people. The banks are draconian, predatory monsters. But now with Bitcoin everywhere, but now with Bitcoin, everyone can have their own bank. They can be their own bank. And they're happily getting their own bank. More than half the country has now got the Bitcoin wallet. And the attitude in the country has completely changed to being relentlessly optimistic. Bitcoin doubters will remain all the way up to and past $10 million per Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, you end up paying the price you deserve. With CBDCs, there's going to be a cost to think. And if you don't have to, and if you don't have enough money to afford thinking, some credit facility from Jamie Dimon will be made available for you. You're born without debt, and the second you have your first thought, you're immediately in debt. The U.S. government will get so desperate to get their hands on some Bitcoin, they'll offer huge discounts to taxpayers who pay taxes with Bitcoin. Fiat money is backed by violence, and Bitcoin is backed by peace. Jeez. Wow. All right, you get, you get the orange page. Throughout history, countries have always left the gold standard for fiat standard. What? Oh, yeah. Read it as it reads. Okay. Throughout history, countries have always left the gold standard for a fiat standard to help fund wars. 
Bitcoin is a, is a moratorium on anything and everything that's not Bitcoin, including central banks, Wall Street banks, governments, MSM, institutions, global institutions, centralization, censorship, fiat money. <laughs> Get an editor, bud. <laughs> Are you kidding me with the ego this guy has? Nobody can edit him. <laughs> Or, or reread it a couple of times. That's why I call hashtag Bitcoin a vector, because it escapes the fourth turning, its vector out of the, fan, out of the fatalistic pessimism towards relentless optimism. Bitcoin is the four Ps. It's perfect money. <laughs> oh, yeah, keep going. Perfect money, perfect price discovery, perfect incentives, and perfect outcomes. That's not four Ps. You just started with perfect for all the things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just said perfect four times. <laughs> Everything starts with P if you if you put perfect in front of it. <laughs> so when you have the quadrangle of perfection <laughs> that is BTC, you are on the vector towards relentless optimism. The inflation number that the government talks about has nothing to do with anything. It's complete garbage, and that's why Bitcoin is doing what it's been doing. It's not so much that BTC is going up, it's that the purchasing power of the dollar is collapsing. Which is absolutely not true. That's not what's going on. <laughs> that's not at all. I'll read the second column. Humans discovered hashtag Bitcoin. They didn't invent it. Einstein discovered E equals MC squared. He didn't invent it. I don't know what that means. It, like, it's a law of nature. That's what they're trying to say. Bitcoin represents the first major breakthrough in economics and finance since double-entry bookkeeping was invented in 1494. And, and, <laughs> and activists need to embrace its power. <laughs> I think the question is not, am I too late when you see Bitcoin at $40,000? The question is, am I willing to hold something that's going to be zero? And that would be paper money. When Bitcoin, with Bitcoin, I can transact with you and nothing can stop it. It's uncensorable. It's unconfiscatable. It's protected by an encrypted shield. And that encrypted shield cannot be pierced by any government or any group of governments or any computer. All right, so... We, we we literally just had a news cycle about the 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 girl and the guy. Remember the girl that was making the uh, the videos, the music videos? I, like she and her boyfriend stole a bunch of Bitcoin from an exchange, like five million dollars. That's not true at all, as we discovered in our convoy episode, the, oh, the O Canada episode. Yeah, it, it has to fucking touch down somewhere, and you can confiscate it. Canada confiscated. You can it. confiscate it. You can absolutely confiscate. Canada it. confiscated a lot of it. Bitcoin caused the chaos, welcomed it, welcomed the volatility. It's making the right people stick. Oh my gosh, that's not what it says at all. Oh boy, even better. I misread that. Bitcoin caused the chaos, welcome it, welcome the volatility. It's making the right people sick, welcome the global devastation. It only sends BTC higher. Getting rid of central banks was always going to be messy. Enjoy the mess. Bitcoin will eventually consume virtually all energy. What? What does that even fucking mean? What does that mean? That like, well, we won't be able to turn on lights because it's all going to Bitcoin mining? 
I mean, it fucking might be. There's a lot of coal in Kazakhstan <laughs> here, that's being here, dedicated specifically to Bitcoin. And here's the perfect world again. What gets de-energized? Central banks. Banks. Fiat money. War. Hatred. Racism. Sexism. And economists. <laughs> how, does, how does Bitcoin get rid of sexism and racism? No, but look at the series. <laughs> look at These aren't even things in the same categories. Central banks. Banks. Fiat money. Okay, that's cool. All right. Then we, we're actually talking about actual things, not concepts or abstractions like war, hatred, racism, and sexism. But then the final one is economists. Bitcoin is God hacking humanity to put us back on course. There's the evangelicism. Wow. There it is. Even straight from a maximalist. There is that religiosity coming into, into Bitcoin. Needless to say, the reviews on Amazon are mixed for Max Kaiser's <laughs> book. They are, they are mostly positive. But the very first one at the very top seemed the most honest. Jules, you want to read this? This is from Jan R. <clears throat> it's titled Pumper. One star. Maxi has succumbed to religious extremism to try and rein in as many new followers to cryptocurrency to uphold this Ponzi scheme. His book is nothing short of a manifesto and bad information under the pretense of a, quote, revolutionary upheaval of the financial system, end quote, a modern take of, quote, this time is different, end quote. Reader beware, explanation point, explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. You could just say five. Five people found this. <laughs> five exclamation points. Five, and five people found this helpful. You see manifesto again. <laughs> I'm not the only one who caught the manifesto vibe. It is a coffee table manifesto. That is a new that's a new subgenre that I am that coffee I, tables a bit of an upgrade I bathroom reader you can probably guess that not everyone in El Salvador is completely psyched about Bitcoin the government tried to encourage Bitcoin adoption from the beginning by releasing an official Bitcoin wallet for all of its citizens called Chivo and that's slang for cool in El Salvador and the wallet came <laughs> with a thirty dollar bonus in Bitcoin in April 2022, the National Bureau of Economic Research conducted an in-person study in El Salvador to better understand what people think about Bitcoin and how or if they use it. We document that prior to Chivo's launch, over half of respondents used only cash to pay for their expenditures. We also find that more than 70% of them were unbanked and almost 90% did not use mobile banking. Moreover, we find that 64.6% .6 of Salvadorians had access to mobile phone with internet, a technology required to download and use Chivo. So, fucking two-thirds of them have access to mobile phone with internet, meaning that one-third can't even fucking access this currency. Yeah. At least. They're actually, they're, least. they're prohibited because they, they are denied access because they don't have a phone with internet access. This was, in fact, my first thought when we first talked about El Salvador using this as a currency, how many people have a the technology to utilize this yeah. in El Salvador? Well, now we know. Unlike other digital wallets, Chivo Wallet does not provide users with the key to their Bitcoin. This makes it a custodial wallet, 
Furthermore, transactions are not anonymous, as users are required to enter their personal information. The rollout of the app has not been flawless. In fact, there are several complaints among Chivo users, including claims of unauthorized charges in the app, blocked accounts, phishing schemes, phishing schemes targeting users, failed transfers to other wallets, and identity theft. So w- without having access to the, to the key for the wallet, that means it's not really theirs. It's all based on the, on the honesty of the El Salvadoran government. Which brings us back to the first point of all the Bitcoin maximalists and all the crypto bros, which is that it's all anonymous, it can't be controlled, it's not centralized, except this whole fucking thing is centralized with the yeah. Salvadoran government. And, and it is controlled, it is monitored. And it's controlled. Yeah. And it's monitored and it's not anonymous. Yeah. So what's the fucking point? Now, nothing would stop them from transferring the money to another wallet that they that they set up that is theirs, but that's not how it starts. Also, according to the April 22, 2022 National Bureau of Economic Research study, most citizens in El Salvador have a cell phone with internet, but still less than 60% of them downloaded the Chivo wallet. Only 60% continue to use Chivo after spending the $30 bonus. That means that they spent the 30 bucks that was free and then stopped using it. 40% of them. <laughs> Nearly 80% never plan to load money into Chivo beyond the $30 bonus, which is effectively same as the, the, as the line above. They're basically just going to, they haven't done it yet, but they, as soon as they finish spending the $30, they're done. Despite the government mandate for businesses to accept Bitcoin in El Salvador, still only 20% of companies, mostly large ones, accept Bitcoin. And 11.4% report having positive sales in Bitcoin. That's it. <laughs> That's it. This sounds like a fucking flop. Now, now we're back at the at Bitcoin's volatility. So I, like the system itself is not even being well adopted. There are plenty of people talking about the high points of it. And there are lots of success stories and people who have you know, really just sort of do- like they've just dived right in and this is going great for them in El Salvador. But that still doesn't erase the problem of Bitcoin volatility where you have people. And this is something that came up in Bitcoin Beach and uh, El Zante, where there are people who are getting paid salaries in Bitcoin now. But the problem with that is, is that there are people who maybe started saving money when Bitcoin was worth $60,000. And now it's worth less than forty. I think thirty-seven thousand, uh, thirty-seven or thirty-eight thousand dollars for a Bitcoin now. So it's lost forty percent of its value. That means anybody saved the equivalent of a thousand dollars now has six hundred dollars. That's a huge fucking difference. And, and you have people like Max Kaiser and these other evangelicals for Bitcoin talking about how we're going to escape inflation. Well, what the hell do you call that? I mean, it's not technically inflation, but effectively everything just got more expensive for you because you have less buying power than you did a couple of months ago. There was a uh, a tracking account uh, on Twitter called Naive Tracker, and unfortunately it has been suspended. I wasn't able to find out what got it suspended, but I did see its uh, its last tweet on January 5th. And what Naib Tracker was doing, I mean, Naib Bukele is the president of El Salvador, if that wasn't clear, um, was 
keeping track of the uh, of El Salvador's national Bitcoin holding, how much had been spent on it on to acquire the Bitcoins that El Salvador owns and what they're currently worth. As of the last tweet on January 5th, Bitcoin's value was about $49,000 for a single coin. At that point, El Salvador had already invested over $70 million and lost more than $10 million, $10.5 million on Bitcoin. So they'd already started losing money. And then today, as we're recording, a single Bitcoin is worth a little bit less than $38,000. This has not been a profitable effort for El Salvador. Now, what what this doesn't factor into in the in Naive Tracker is the mining that, that El Salvador has been doing. But as far as I know, they have only been able to mine one complete Bitcoin. <laughs> so whatever they've spent on all of this electricity and computer infrastructure so far, they've only mined one coin, and which means they've only made, made, you know, in quotation marks, $38,000 or so. That's some dog shit. Yeah, you know, something else that's been raised by people that have been cr- uh, critical of Bukele's crypto plans in El Salvador is the lack of monitoring and investigative resources that El Salvador has. The Essentially, the criticism is that there's just uh, no way that El Salvador could ever ensure that illegal crypto transactions wouldn't take place or that the government would even know if they did. So they can't prevent it or necessarily even monitor it. This is from an NBC News article from November 2021, which is about a month or so after the Bitcoin law took effect. Bitcoin was created to carry out transactions without the intervention of trusted third parties, such as central banks or financial institutions. That is one of its great attractions, and paradoxically, it's what makes Bukele's commitment so novel, because it means spending part of a country's budget in a deeply speculative market, much more speculative than investing in commodities like oil, for example. This is almost like a national casino. It is playing with public money, betting it without having any certainty. If there is a stroke of luck and it generates a lot of money, in the end, it is not clear how it's going to be invested and distributed in the country, said Cruz of Florida International University. But the worst thing is that Bitcoin falls, and it is an irreparable loss for such a poor nation. Another element that concerns experts is one of Bitcoin's most touted advantages allowing transactions using only digital identities, which gives users a certain degree of anonymity. Its increasingly widespread use has made Bitcoin the preferred currency for many illicit activities, such as computer attacks, or for intricate digital networks of illegal trade in drugs and weapons, and even to hire hitmen, according to reports. At this time, the government does not have the ability to determine if a Bitcoin comes from an investor who obtained it by mining, in legal exchanges, or from someone who extorts or is engaged in drug trafficking. Criminals are going to find a fertile field because there is no institutional framework. El Salvador could be considered a paradise for money laundering, Castaneda Archera said. In addition, financial regulations weren't modified after the law that allows the circulation of bitcoins was approved, so... There is no legal framework to detect and sanction illicit operations carried out with cryptocurrencies, Castaneda Archera said. Thinking about all this, I think that we actually might have an idea about what Bukele is up to, because I keep going back to this this same suspicion that he knows about all these problems. Like, yes, he is a Bitcoin maximalist, and he does have his his you know sort of bitcoins in his eyes, I guess. 
I don't think that the El Salvadoran government's lack of ability to oversee and regulate Bitcoin transactions is a bug in Bukele's plan. I think it's one of the most important features. I think he's banking on El Salvador becoming some sort of a crypto hub with him as a kind of a czar. And he's already attracting these dregs of the finance world like Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert. I think he he absolutely loves being courted by rich and semi-famous Americans. I, I was just watching video on Twitter of, of uh, clips from him hosting Daniel Baldwin, who is probably the least famous <laughs> of the Baldwin brothers. <laughs> who? Yeah. Daniel Baldwin. I mean, the, the guy, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with him. But he, he just looked like he was hammered. I mean, he sort of like is like cruising through the airport with some fashion baseball jersey on. <laughs> I, he's probably 65 years old. He just looked like he was wasted. And Baldwin was there in El Salvador to fill Bukele's head with all these dreams about creating some sort of a film industry in El Salvador. Like that's ever going to fucking happen. Yeah. But the one with the most foreshadowing, I think, for El Salvador's future is Astro Babies. This company has the intentions of building the first casino in the metaverse. <laughs> oh, we're back to metaverse again? Oh my god. Son of a bitch. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's fine because it's also going to have a matching real world counterpart located in El Salvador. <laughs> and to make, make all of that that much better, Astro Babies is funding this project in part by selling NFTs of their Astro Apes. And those are pretty much the same as board apes, except they're somehow worse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is this like some kind of beanie baby shit? No, you know what board apes are, right? Yeah, I do. I just think of this ridiculous trend like beanie babies, babies or pogs or I don't know, maybe I'm putting myself in a very particular time frame here but it's just so fucking ridiculous no you've really put yourself in a time frame you lost most of our audience with that remark i mean way to just you know like kill it at the end of the episode <laughs> we're never it's it's probably my fault we're never going to get any zoomers to listen to us i i think it's i look, think look, it's only just, millennials and gen x look at the site <laughs> So now you're not – now it's not so funny, is it? This is so great. This is amazing. Hey, Jules. It's – Say it. No, say it. Yeah. It says featured on Yahoo Finance, Business Insider, and Market Watch. By simply holding an Astro Baby, Ape, or Pup, you will own shares in the world's first crypto land casino. I don't know why land is in asterisks uh, in El Salvador. Better yet, own all three NFTs and receive additional profits from aftermarket royalties. Finally, the rarity of your NFT will determine your profit reflect your profit reflections paid paid in ABB token. The rarer your Astro <laughs> NFT, the more you earn. That sounds totally legit. All of that, right? It's not a Ponzi scheme. Wow this this doesn't sound like a, a fucking. Um... Tupperware party. <laughs> this is multi-level marketing. You, just, you didn't just buy the whole set from Mary Kay, did you? <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wet Wired Podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wetwired. And you can follow us on Twitter at wetwiredpod. Or me at Sean Andes. And I'm at Julian... Julian... 
He doesn't and remember I'm at his Julian name. Hooligan. <laughs> well, sometimes it's Julian Hooligan on some of the platforms, and sometimes it's Julian Hooligan. So normally people put housekeeping in the front of the episode, and maybe I'll do that. Uh, I don't know. I, I was going to mention something about our regular schedule, but I don't want to give anybody false hope that we're actually going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try. Everybody listening, I swear we are going to try. Things have just been really busy. I guarantee the more subscribers we have, the more we'll be able to try. That's a promise. Oh, this is a fact, <laughs> yes. In today's video, I want to seriously consider this crazy idea that Bitcoin will reach $1 million a coin by 2030. And this isn't even my idea. One of the world's most respected hedge fund managers, Kathy Wood, believes that this will happen. Billionaire co-founder of PayPal, Peter Thiel, agrees with her. There are so many others, billionaires like Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, Mike Novogratz, the Winklevoss twins, who all believe this crazy theory is possible. Now, before you laugh this idea off and say, not gonna happen. Let me share with you some data, some facts, and statistics that supports this theory because the idea of the million dollar Bitcoin is based on another idea, which is scarcity. Now there's only ever supposed to be 21 million Bitcoins in all of existence, but it will take us another 118 years